0: Scripture reading this evening will come from 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. It had been over three years since any rain had fallen on the earth. It was due to the people and their choices. You see, they chose to worship a small g god that was called Baal. God was a uh, god of the pagan lands, and he was the god of fertility. And in fact, if there was a god, little g, that was going to provide rain or sustenance or flourishing crops, it should have been this god, little g, Baal. And Elijah in 1 Kings 18 calls to his nemesis Ahab and says, Ahab, here's what you're going to do. You're going to gather all the prophets of Baal and you're going to let them uh, build their altar. You're going to let them sacrifice on their altar. Then they're going to cry out to their God and we're going to have him uh, have him see if he can answer by fire. And Elijah says, then I'll have an opportunity to build my altar, and I'll cry out to my God, and we'll say that the God that can answer by fire is going to be the God. Israel was gathered there on that occasion, and in choosing which one they were going to worship, they had no answer. They didn't say a word. And instead, the, the prophets of Baal got up and they built their altar. And it said that they cried out to the Lord all morning. They cried out to him and cut themselves with knives and, and were leaping on the altar. And, and Elijah, so much so, is kind of sitting back beside as, as, in my mind as I imagine him and begins to mock them. And it's so a louder. Maybe he's on a journey or maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe you just need to work a little harder for this to happen. And they cried and cried and cried and there was no answer nobody heard instead elijah builds a simple altar out of 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of israel and as it is that he puts the wood on or uh, puts the wood on the altar and lays the sacrifice he digs a ditch around the altar and he has some men there go and fill their water until they and tells them to dump the water on the altar and three times they do that until the Bible says that the water just filled up the ditch where it was. This thing was soaking wet. And with a few simple words, Elijah calls on the, prophet, or calls on the God of Israel. And the God of Israel answers by fire and licks out not only the sacrifice, but the wood, the stones, and the water. So much so that the people cried out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And brothers and sisters, if there's a point that I want you to understand from this lesson this evening, our God is the God that answers prayers. Please don't make any mistake about it. When we talk about prayer, if we were just to simply define the word prayer, we're talking about making an entreaty of somebody. We're talking about asking something of somebody, and that is a blessing or a favor or or something that we want them to do. When we talk about the attitude, we do so in prayer as the humble approaching the greater. We do so as the lesser approaching the greater, knowing that it's up to that person or being that we're praying to, that they're going to be able to grant what it is that we request. If you look at any major religion that this world has, you're going to realize that prayer has something to do with it. It has some element or some aspect of prayer. In fact, you're going to find people that pray to a variety of different things. There are some people that will offer prayers to their ancestors. There are some people that will offer up prayers to those who have gone before them. There are some people that offer up prayers to those living or deceased. I think about Daniel and how it was that Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 those people that were after Daniel, they knew that there was only a way that they could get him through, their, through his God. And so they go to the king and they say, King, here's the decree. If any man makes any petition to any God other than you for 30 days, let him be thrown into the den of lions. And Darius says, that's a great idea. and Ratifies it, seals it, and Daniel goes and he still continues to praise the God of heaven. But there are people that will pray to individuals. There's people that'll pray to the elements. Father time, mother nature, things like that. They're people that'll pray to the works of their own hands. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know. And, and thinking about that, I was thinking about the man who's out there on the golf course and he hits that uh, hits that ball and, come on, come on, get in there, get in there. And he's trying to, to get it, not to, to hook or slice. And, and so he's, in essence, praying to the ball. He wants that ball to go the direction that he's, that he's asking. There are people who will pray to God's, little g, that are not God's. While people around us pray to other things and they direct their prayers and their requests to really things that can't answer them the way that our God can, we understand that people with understanding direct their prayers to the one and only God who hears and who answers. Where do we turn when we want to learn how to pray and specifically what God will say in those prayers? Jesus was dealing with his disciples and he told this parable in luke 18 verse 1 so that men always ought to pray and not lose heart you see because god is willing and able to respond when we pray god is aware that we're doing so psalm 6 and verse 9 the psalmist said the lord has heard my supplication the lord will receive my prayers Exodus chapter 2, the people of Israel were in hard bondage uh, underneath the Pharaohs. And it was that he had pushed them down so much that they began to cry out to their God. And God answered. He sent them Moses as a deliverer, Exodus chapter 2. Cornelius, the Bible says, was a good and just man. He prayed always. He, he gave his alms like he was supposed to. And the angel came to Cornelius and said, Your prayers and your memorials have come up before God. When we bow our heads and when we offer up a prayer, God is aware, God hears us, and God cares about us. But there's so many people that will spend time praying to things that cannot answer, and praying to elements and and objects, and, and putting their faith and their confidence in the wrong thing. I wonder sometimes if we put our confidence and our hopes in the wrong thing. Supposing that prayer is only, well, a refuge, or something that's supposed to make us feel better. The Bible teaches anything but. It teaches about the God who loves us and cares enough to answer us. And so Jesus wants us to cultivate an active, a, uh, uh, an active prayer life. It's not one-made communication. Our God is the God who hears and answers. It's the difficulty that we have in dealing with the answers that we receive. We're going to look at four of those this evening from Scripture and really get a better sense of the way that God answers or the answers that God gives us, and to really consider these things about who we are and about, well, what we're praying for. Our goal is to look inward and to think about ourselves, but then think about our relationship, about the things we're asking, the people we are, and the character we're cultivating, the people we're following from day to day, and then... Evaluating God and His answers in our prayers. Here's the first answer God may give us in our prayers. Number one, it may be an answer of rejection. It may be an answer of rejection. This is not a high note to begin on, so to speak. But the truth is, is that when we look at our prayer life and when we look at the prayers that people offer, and certainly offer to the God of heaven, the one who hears and answers, the one who has the ability to hear and answer, it may be outright rejection. I will not accept your request. I'm mindful of 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 12. There he's quoting from Psalm 34. And Peter, in concluding this, this, this section that he's quoting from the Old Testament, listen to what Peter says. He says, the eye of the Lord is on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And we can read in there, parenthetically, And his ears are closed to their prayers, if we're going to finish out the couplet. And that's certainly in line with Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that he cannot save, nor his ear so heavy that he cannot hear. What's the problem then, Isaiah? He's speaking about God's people. He's saying, but listen, your sins, your iniquities have hidden his face from you. Your sins have closed his ears so that he will not hear. Sometimes people are pursuing a conversation with God, and they get it backwards because they think that God should be open to hearing them, no matter what it is, no matter what lifestyle it is that they're living in. John, in the book of John, chapter 9, is talking about that blind man that was made, that that could see, the man who was born blind, and Jesus made this man see, and now it is that he finds himself on the hot seat, as it were, standing before the leaders of the Jews, And as they cross-examine this man, they know that they're just trying to trap Jesus or trap this man into condemning Jesus. And one of the things they said, we know this man is a sinner. And he says, well, if this guy was a sinner, he couldn't do the things that that, uh, this man could do. And in fact, we know that God does not hear sinners. He's not stating some deep theological position. It's simply a matter of belief and understanding that God is not going to have his ear open to those who are continuing in a lifestyle of sin. He's going to reject the request, to to reject, to refuse of a proposal or an idea or entreaty. If you're not disposed to listen to God, you can't expect that He's going to be disposed to listen to you. When you have a person who's turned away his hearing from God's will, God says He's not going to accept or not going to listen. And when you have silence that's an answer, I don't much care to answer a person personally when they have no desire to listen to me. Why would we expect God to be any different? First answer that God may give is an answer of rejection. The second answer is maybe an answer of refusal. An answer of refusal. I hear what you're saying. I acknowledge your request, but I'm going to say no. Some people think of prayer kind of like a magic trick. That is that if I just say the right words, if I do the right things in this prayer, then automatically there's going to be, poof, something that I've asked for right here in front of me. And so it is, you have somebody that gets discouraged when they say, God, I want a new car, I need 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 a new car. And when we pray sometimes, we get the idea that God's going to just appear like a genie and poof, he's got exactly what it is that we think that we need. Think about this with regard to your children. Those of you that have children, I know that we were all children once, but you remember going to your parents and asking for something? Dad, can we have ice cream for supper? (laughs) If it's me, I'm saying, what else do we have in the house? Okay, we don't have anything but ice cream? Sure, why not? Go right ahead. But you know that there are detrimental things to a child asking for. Some of those things just are self-gratification. There are sometimes things that our kids ask us for that are not good for them. And do we say no just because we don't love them? The answer is no, because we know what's best for them. We want to look down the eyes of wisdom and say that this is not good for you in the long run. This is not going to be something that's going to make you a better person. This is not somebody that's going to refine your character. And so it is that when we have a a refusal from God, we shouldn't be discouraged. One man said this, when we pray, it's not us giving God orders, it's letting Him give us orders. What about Jesus? Out of all the people that ever lived, don't you think that Jesus had the right to have His Father's ear and have the Father always say yes to everything that Jesus would ask? And yet at the same time, when we see Jesus in the garden, a stone's throw from His disciples who were sleeping like babies. And Jesus is there on his knees praying and the sweat's dropping down like great droplets of blood. And Jesus saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. Didn't the father say no on that occasion? Didn't our savior and our Lord ultimately go to the cross, even though his flesh was absolutely not wanting to do that? God said no to Jesus. I think about second Corinthians chapter 12. And how it was that Paul, the apostle, it's uh, Paul uh, talks about this man that was received up into the third heaven and, and he uh, then comes back and talks about himself and how it was that he might be tempted to be exalted above measure. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, that is to hit me again and again and again. And Paul prays three times to the Lord that he would take this away. You know what the Lord's answer was? My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Didn't the Apostle Paul here, no, I hear your quest, but I'm denying that. I heard what you're asking for, but you're asking for the wrong thing. Folks, don't get the idea that this is God rejecting us because we're bad people. It's not that he's rejecting us. It's that God is only going to give us the best thing for us. And sometimes we don't necessarily know what that is. I like to think that I know on any given occasion what the best thing for me is, but the truth is, I really don't. Sometimes the answer no, to be honest, is the best thing that we can receive. He's not going to deny us the things that are good for us. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 11, again, echoed in Luke 11, verse 11 through 13, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father Give good things to those who ask Him. If He says, I refuse, my choice then, my direction then, is to continue to trust in His wisdom and His power. Answer number three, when we talk about God answering our prayers, is the answer of reward. I hear what you're saying. I understand your request, and I agree. I'm going to give that to you. We all like to be told yes, don't we, when it is that we request something, when we ask for something. I like to hear, I hear you, and I agree. And it's so faith-affirming, whenever it is, that you pray and pray and pray for something to happen, and some person to maybe understand the truth of the gospel, and then you see that person continue to progress until the point where they're ready to say, yes, I want to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. Whenever it is that you've been praying for the health of a person, when you've been praying about the spiritual health of a person, and it is that this person now comes back and, and, and you're so glad about that. It is faith-affirming when you realize God has affirmatively answered your prayers about something. He's rewarded. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14-15. This is the passage Kenny read for us just a moment ago. Brothers and sisters, if there's one passage that can really encourage you and me to cultivate a great prayer life, this is the one. This is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we receive the petitions we have asked of Him. I left out (laughs) a couple of phrases. See, I like to read it, or I like to feel like I I need it. This is the confidence that we have that if we ask anything, He hears us. That's not the way it reads. That's not what the Holy Spirit through John mentioned. He says if we ask anything, uh, This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. God is wanting to say yes to you and me when it is that we pray. God is ready to say yes. God knows how to give us good things. What good things can I ask for? Well, James chapter 1 verse 5 would be one of those things that we would ask for. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And he doesn't talk about God as a stingy miser and and he's got this wisdom, this bag of wisdom, and you've got to beg and beg and beg to just have him give you just a little bit. It says, let that man ask of God who gives to all men liberally. And doesn't reproach you. He doesn't look down on you. He doesn't doesn't cast blame in your direction. Oh, you should have more wisdom. He gives to all men liberally and does not reproach. God wants to give wisdom. You want to do a really faith-affirming and faith-building exercise? Go through the Bible and look at all the times that God has said yes to prayers. Look at all the times that God has said, I agree, this is what you need. I agree, this is what I'm going to give you. And see how it was that he blessed and rewarded those people that were faithfully following him. No, God's not a genie. I don't ask him according to my will. I want to ask him according to his will. Asking for the right things. Does God care about your family circumstances? The answer is yes, he does, absolutely. Remember an occasion with Abraham, and and, and, uh, he had two women in his house. He had Hagar and he had Sarah. And the women were fighting, and it seemed like the sons were not getting along. And Abraham took that to God. Sarah wanted Hagar cast out, and Abraham took that to God. And God said, Abraham, Isaac's the son of promise. Abraham says, well, what about Ishmael? I care about Ishmael. I love Ishmael. And God says, I'm going to bless Ishmael as well. God took care of him. But it was that through the son of promise, God was going to uh, bring the line that would cause the Christ. But Abraham cared enough to bring the circumstances of his family to God. What about Hannah in 1 Samuel 1? Hannah was a woman who was married to Elkanah, and, and she went up with him every year, and she spent her time at the temple praying and praying and praying, give me a son, give me a son, give me a son. God, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you. God said, yes, I agree. And her son, her baby boy, who was raised at the temple, became one of the greatest prophets in Israel. Man with two Bible books named after him in our English Bible. Moses, you know, uh, Moses, in, in, in so many different circumstances, was, was grumbling or having a people grumbling and complaining against him. He took those things to the Lord, and the Lord said, I'm going to take care of you. When it came time for the waters to, to be made clean, God took care of him. Moses took those things, God said, Yes, Jonah and the belly of fish, Jonah chapter two, Jonah had the opportunity to go do the right thing the first time. He decided to go completely opposite direction, ended up in the belly of a fish and Jonah prays, God, give me a second chance and I'll do your will. God says, yes, I agree. Fish spits him up on the dry land. God immediately tells him, Jonah, you go and preach to Nineveh. Jonah went and he did so. God can deliver. God will deliver. God will provide. God will bless through your prayers. Prayers can bring divine help closer to the one and bring us closer to the one that made us. Reward. Fourth answer in prayer. Last one this evening. We can call this redirection. God saying yes in part, but also no in part. We might term it and say, I understand what you're saying. I acknowledge your request, but I have a better way. I have a better way. David, when he had the grand idea, he had brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And after he did that, 2 Samuel chapter 7, David said, God, I have a great idea. I'm going to build you a house here in Jerusalem. I'm going to build a temple, a permanent structure, so it is that, uh, that uh, you know men can come and worship you in a place that's not going to be moved. And Nathan went away saying, go and do all that's in your heart. But then the word of the Lord came to Nathan and said, go tell David. I'm going to allow a place to be built, but David, you're not going to be the one to build it. That pleasure, that privilege is going to be reserved for your son, Solomon. That verse that we mentioned a moment ago from 1 Kings 18, after Elijah won that victory over the prophet of Baal, it was that Ahab ran back and told his wife Jezebel. Jezebel threatened Elijah's life and Elijah fled out into the wilderness discouraged, hungry, destitute, all the other D words I could think of, uh, discouraged and and really depressed. So much so that he prays to God and says, God, take away my life. I'm no better than my fathers. The people haven't listened to me. There's nobody left. I'm the only one that's left. God knew what Elijah needed on that occasion. God knew more than anything else, Elijah needed to rest, and Elijah needed to eat, and Elijah needed to be refreshed. And God, instead of taking his life on that occasion, said, Elijah, you still have work to do. I want you to go, and I want you to anoint the next king of Israel. I've got a better way. I'm going to take you up in heaven by a whirlwind, sending a fiery chariot. There's a better way that God has. God knew what he needed, and God knows what we need. God can take away our pain." brothers and sisters. But God, God is not necessarily interested in our comfort as much as he is in our character. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 71, it's good that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You see, sometimes the pain and the offering, and the prayer of bringing out the pain and taking away the pain. And Lord, I've been dealing with this debilitating illness or this debilitating thing so long when what it really means is that we just need to think about how that pain can help refine our character and how it is that God is more interested in us being people that please Him even in our suffering rather than just being comfortable. I hear, I understand But God says, I also understand what you need. God wants to say yes, but he also wants to give us what's best. There's four practical things to do this evening about our prayer life and the lesson's yours. Number one, pray always. Pray always. We mentioned Luke 18, verse 1. Men ought to always pray and never lose heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Us taking the big things, the small things, the things in between to God and letting them know, God, these are the things that concern me. God, these are the requests that I want to make. God, I trust you and I love you. Not my will, but yours be done. Pray always. Cultivate a reliance upon God such as I will not make a decision without his counsel, without his direction, without him knowing that I'm committing this decision to him. Pray always. Number two. Let your prayer life look also closely at yourself. There is a matter of introspection when we go and approach God. The psalmist at the conclusion of the wonders that he saw and how it was that he couldn't go anywhere without God being there in Psalm 139. He concludes the psalm with a prayer. And he talks about God examining him, looking closely at him. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any false way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a great prayer for any one of us to pray. God, I want to look at a good, take a good hard look at myself and how it is that I relate to you when it comes to my speech, and how it is that I relate to you when it comes to my behavior. Lord, I want to take a good, hard look. I want you to examine me with your word, and I want you to see if there's anything that's false within me, anything that's going to cause me to go off path or or go off the reservation, as it were. God, I want to follow you for all my life. Take a good, hard look at yourself as it is that you approach God because there's no better time to do it than when you're bowed down in your bedroom when you're bowed down over a meal, when you're bowed down privately praying to God and asking Him for the things that you need. Number three, don't let God's answer throw you. (laughs) Don't let God's answer throw you, and let me qualify that. God knows what we need. God is going to give us what's good. God is going to give us what's best. But the only reason why His answer might throw us is if we think that we know better than God does. I want you to understand God loves us and He cares about us. But the answer we receive sometimes in prayer may not necessarily be the one we were expecting. Lastly, always remember our God is different than anything else men pray to. God is different than anyone else that men pray to because our God hears and he answers our prayers. He is a good father. He hears our prayers as his children. He loves and he wants to hear from us. He loves and he wants us to depend on him. But that part is on us. Thank you for your attention this evening. Open up to the song of encouragement that Roger announced just a moment ago. Sorry, that's a habit. We've done that the last couple weeks. If there's anyone here this evening who needs the prayers of the church, Who needs us to lift their name before God? Recognizing that it is God's will that you walk worthy of the gospel, that you walk in a worthy manner. It is God's will that you come closer to Him and closer to His heart. It is God's will that you forsake the sins that so easily beset us and the stumbling blocks, the things that are put in our way. It is God's will that we trust in Him and that we lean on one another. If we can provide for that for you this evening as a member of the church, as a member of Christ's body, we would love to do that. Maybe there's somebody here this evening that's ready to obey the gospel. If you'd like to know more information about that, we can help you with that as well. Whatever it is you need, will want you make it known as we stand and sing our invitation song.